Canada's okay in my book, especially when it's like 80, 85 degrees and they're talking about a, a heat wave. So, so what you're what you're saying is that even when they're splitting off from a country, they're polite. Yes, absolutely. It's it, it's the most, it, and they, in fact, they're so polite they still have the Queen of England on their money. Kevin Stepp, your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I'm my I'm the Tep Greg Tepper. I almost forgot I was. And I'm the Step, Matt Step. He did not forget who he was. Thank you for being Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very much. Thank you for going to TexasFootball.com slash subscribe and telling your friends to go to TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Um, if you need a late like Independence Day gift or an or, man, we're kind of like there's no holidays now between now and that. I'm trying to think. Um, I say get get a late uh, a belated Independence Day gift or how about an early Labor Day gift? Because what says a great Labor Day gift like a subscription to Dave Campbell's Texas Football? Celebrate celebrate the, the power of unions by getting somebody a, a subscription to Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Um, all exactly. Right. This is your July edition of Tep and Step, your premium high school football podcast. We're going to get to a lot of stuff, uh, in, in including, um, you know, we're going to kind of take take the temperature of, of what's kind of what's going on in in Texas high school football right now here in July. Uh, we are going to um, what else we're we going to talk about stuff. We're going to wildly speculate. That's what we're going to do because we really don't know anything. We're just going to speculate. Yeah, we're going to do a lot of wild mm-hmm. speculation, but. Um, we are going to um, we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about about uh, what football is gonna look like in the fall. Maybe uh, I'm gonna share with you some insider stuff that I'm learning right now from talking with coaches. Um, Ooh, and, uh, I yeah, like it. We'll just kind of kick that stuff around a little bit. We'll also talk yeah. a little bit about transfers because there were some some high profile transfers that came to light uh, recently. And then back half of the show, and by back half I mean the bulk of the show, we're gonna continue our tap and step deep dive into uh the uh into the uh the, the class 5a we're gonna take a look at class 5a uh region by region uh, really okay. dive into uh to, to, to are we, 5a are we doing uh both divisions or are we just gonna do division one today what's what's the... i think we can, i think we can zoom through both divisions right okay all right all right okay. sounds are good you, to are me okay with that i'm hey you're you're the managing editor of texas football i'm 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 just a peon that doesn't seem Okay, so in, instead of doing the uh, starting our show as uh, the Texas High School Football Fun Fact of the Week, I want to ask you a tep and step hypothetical that right. I came up with over the weekend, over the, the holiday weekend. I was thinking about this because obviously there is a lot of so there's a lot of of, of talk right now around uh, the coronavirus. Uh, and, and things like that, because mm-hmm. the numbers are not very good here in the state of Texas. But I was thinking about the fact that there are often like strange um, and simple ex- like fixes for complicated problems. And so this is the hypothetical to me that I'm going to pose to you. Okay. The scientists come out to you, come out today, and they hold this emergency press conference. And they come, they come out and they say, guys, we found the cure coronavirus okay if you have it right now it'll take it away if you don't have it it'll give you lifetime immunity we can get rid of COVID-19 today and the good news is that it is a freely available and readily like like findable cure that we have right now that you might even have in your home right now Okay. Oh okay. Gosh, it sounds amazing. And they come out to you and they say, the cure for COVID-19 is that you have to eat a 10-ounce jar of mayonnaise, just mayonnaise, can't spread it on anything, and you have to do that in 12 hours. Oh, gosh. Do you bite the bullet? And by bite the bullet, 
I mean, eat the mayonnaise. <laughs> it's not like you can make, you can't make like 20 sandwiches. Okay. And okay. This has to be spoonfuls. Oh gosh. It, it can, is Miracle Whip count or is it straight mayo? Um, <laughs> let's, let's, I hadn't considered that. Like, yeah, it could be your, your choice. Your choice. Dealer's choice. Yeah. Um, God, and I, I, and I personally cannot stand mayonnaise. I hate because mayonnaise. That's, and that's the thing. Mayonnaise is a super polarizing condiment. Yeah. Mayonnaise is a trash condiment. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, but, a quote, that's a quote of the day right there. But you can cure your own coronavirus yeah. and get lifetime immunity if you just eat 10 ounces. You got to do it in 12 hours. So I'd do it. Less than an ounce of an hour. I'd, I'd do it. Yeah. I mean, I'd just have a lot of something to wash it down with or something, but I'd, I'd See, do it. That's the thing. I think I'd have, like, to me, what that would be, I'd do it. Now, I don't hate mayonnaise like you do, but, like, obviously, I'm not exactly like, hey, let's go ahead and grab the spoon. Um, my thought is I'm going to have one really bad day. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's going to be a really and trash day. two. You know, that the next day is not fun either. Yeah, and then the next, yeah, yeah, you're probably gonna have a trash couple of days because I'm sure yeah. uh, the digestive system. I'm sure ten ounces of straight mayonnaise is not gonna be awesome on the digestive system. But you know what we would do is we'd have a we'd just have a mayo party. We'd all get together. Yeah. Like we just we'd be like, all right, guys, we got to do this. Like as mm-hmm. an office, we got to do. There'd be a hell of a run on mayonnaise in the stores. Exactly. We would have toilet paper shortages. We'd have mayonnaise shortages. <laughs> I was think I was thinking about that. I was thinking like, what if the solution is right underneath our nose right now? But you just have like, but nobody thought of it. That'd be great. I, I mean, it'd be a great, great if it was. It was yes. So uh, there it is. That's not your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. Uh, it is instead uh, your your Texas high school football uh, hypothetical of the week. And okay. please, please don't get on Twitter and tweet out. Tepper says ten ounces of mayonnaise is the cure for yeah. COVID. Please, please yeah. don't do that. No, that's I'm not I'm not saying that is. I'm saying that is that is the hypothetical. You'd be such a hack fraud. You'd be more of a hack fraud than you already are. Yeah, exactly. I would trust me. My my menchies would be a, a, <laughs> even more of a disaster. All right. So, um let's take the, the, this a terrible terrible way to say this. I freely recognize this. But let's take the temperature. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended. High school football right now. Because right now, as of right now, we're recording this on July 7th. We are what? Um, three. 20, we're twenty-seven days away from practice starting. We're twenty-seven Less days away from practice. Yeah, and and so basically, we're in a lot of. We're probably about what seven weeks away from games. Yeah, yeah, because first August twenty-seventh, I think, is the first yeah. Thursday night of the season. Thursday, August twenty-seventh. Yeah. Um, step, how you feeling? Um, so I, I was pretty confident um, earlier this offseason that, that we were going to start on time, that we were going to have football. Um, I did not see this, you know, I, I, I didn't see this late surge. I kind of thought we'd have our surge like in April or May, not in June, July. Uh, so that the timing of that's a little, little bit. I, I definitely, I'm not, you know, I, I think I said it a, a few weeks ago, I, I'm not as confident um, that we we're going to start on time. Um uh, I'd say if you if you p- made me put a percentage on it, I'd I'd say at best fifty fifty we're starting on time, and even that probably feels a little high at this point. Um, do I think we're going to have a football season? Yes. Do I think we're going to have a football a full seventeen week football season? I would lean towards yes. But but my if I had to if you if you said what I think is the most likely scenario, what I think the most likely scenario is that we get delayed. Um, the start of practice gets delayed by maybe about a month. We may, we may start the season around Labor Day. Um, teams may only get one scrimmage, and we may see the season end. The state championships played um, in late January. Um, so that's what so I would I, if I had to guess right now. That's what I would say. And that's just me. Uh, I have no inside information. This yeah. is just me and my opinion right now. So, and, and that's you know, and one thing we we have hammered home is that for all the speculation and all of us, all of us just you know yammering and running our mouths and, and speculating about things, um, there is in my mind a firm date that you need to that you need to have in your mind, and that is August third. August third is a key date, okay? Because everything that I've heard from the UIL is that 
if we've got practices starting on August 3rd, then you know what? Maybe we have to truncate things a little bit. Maybe things get, you know, uh, you know, maybe things are going to get a little bit uh, wonky at some point. But for the most part, that would represent us trending in a good way for a, for a, for a, the season. If we can start practices on August third, mm-hmm. if we don't start practices on August third, then you start getting into what kind of disruption are we going to have? Are we going to have a delay? Are we going to have a um, a, a truncated season? Are we going to push it back? Are we going to cancel it? I mean, those are that is to me the first key signpost in what the season is going to look like comes on August third. Um, if we're practicing on August August third, then I feel like things are going to progress more or less closer to normal than we would think. But yeah. that is that is the, that is for all the speculation. The rubber is about to meet the road. Absolutely. And I, and I think uh, we're going, you know, with, with the UIL issue, issuing their guidance uh, last week for people to shut down uh, the practices for the summer strength and conditioning for last week and this week and restarting on July 13th, we may see some guidance given uh, this week from the UIL um, about restarting of strength and conditioning. And then obviously the TEA um, just released some guidance of, uh, not uh, less than an hour ago um, about the reopening of schools in the fall and that kind of thing. So even as vague as it was, because let's, let's be honest, the TEA guidance was very vague. Um, the fact that they want, they, they're saying students need, you know, have the option to go on and on campus this year. We, we said it when, the, when this whole pandemic first started, if kids were if if students were not on campus in the fall, we didn't see any way that, that there would be a football season or at least football right away with TEA's guidance that they want schools to give the option of students being on campus this fall. That tells me that there's at least there's a window of I, I can see a scenario where there's a football season in the fall. Yeah. No students, I can guarantee you, we weren't going to have football. No students on campuses in the fall. We're both on that train. There was no way they'd have football. So they wouldn't they wouldn't be like, hey, we can't be together for education, but let's get together for football. Exactly. Exactly. Now. So here's a couple of things, a couple of insights that I can offer. Um, Okay, first, a rant. First, a, a brief rant. Um. So these TEA guidelines just came out about an hour ago, as you mentioned. Um, I mean, they essentially said nothing. Like they they said, like I'm sorry, and I'm I'm not. This is not a political statement. This is this is a you know what? This is a taxpayer human statement. I'm thinking like, are you guys going to say anything ever? Like the only thing, <laughs> like TEA, like they have been completely like MIA in this thing. Yeah, the, like, they're, they're, they're usually only, only good about telling people when standardized state testing can be taken. I'm just, kind of, like it is. It seems like such a total abdication of responsibility. Yeah. And, and, I am really and, disappointed. And I get it. You know, they're, they're, in some ways, I understand there's there's a narrative of local control. But I do think as a statewide organization, I think you've got to set the pace and at least give some more stringent framework uh, than what you're giving now with the ability to adjust and adapt based on the situation on the ground. Um, And that seems to be very, very lacking uh, from the TEA. So, um, but that's, you know, you should get, you know, we, one day we should get Corbett Smith on and talk about education because that guy is as plugged in on educational stuff as anyone. So there's that. And, and, and admittedly, I think people who listen to this podcast know that my wife's a teacher and I grew up in a, in a household where my mom worked in schools. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty clearly pro-educator. I think that's why I get along with high school football coaches in a lot of ways. Because I think you can't like in, in the end, those guys are just they're teachers. Like, yes, they're football coaches, but they're teachers. And I just, you know, I, I respect what they do. And so on. but anyway. Like, like that's another thing. It's like the, the reason I like high school football coaches is that like they'll make the hard, unpopular decisions. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're going to, they're going to, they're, they're by nature, they make hard and unpopular decisions. You know, I guarantee you that, that, that decision to punt on fourth and three or whatever is a, is a, yeah. it's a, it's a tough decision. So they're used to it. And, and you almost wish they put a couple, a few football coaches on the uh, uh-huh. TA board there to make, make some decisions. 
Anyway, so, but there's that. I will say this, and something to keep certainly an eye on, and I can only speak for my wife's school district. I, I actually feel like her superintendent has done a really good job. I know that he is on one of the, he's on, he's on like the UIL policy committee or something like that. I've been very impressed with, with, with his leadership throughout this, order, throughout this ordeal. Uh, but they have come out and they've started to roll out their uh, return to school situation. And one of the questions was about if I'm going to opt for remote learning, uh, if I'm going to opt that my kid is going to learn remotely, can they still participate in extracurricular activities like band and like athletics? And the answer, at least in this school district, is no. That you have to be in school, in classroom, if you're going to participate in those extracurricular activities. Now, what does that do for the fall? I don't know. You know what I mean? Obviously, that's going to – like, let's put it this way. If that's the if that's the, the norm across the state, and then then you will have at least a handful of names, high school football players, who will not play in the fall. I, I think that's fair to say. Like now, there's also going to be a fair number of uh, of students, or rather of athletes, who are going to say, "Well, you know what? If the only way I can play football is that I go to school, well, then I'm going to school." But a lot of these guys, they ain't making that decision. Mama's making that decision. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, you know, these are high school kids. They don't, they don't have that, uh, that, that decision-making authority. So I, I, def- I definitely think they're made if, – if, if what Northwest, you know, is what the superintendent is doing – sorry, I don't know if you want me to get the district uh, publicly. You can edit that out, though. Uh, but, but it, you know, I mean, what, what that district's doing is if that's the norm across the state – um, I do think we, you know, the, the, the numbers are just going to tell us that there are going to be some kids whose parents opt out of in-person education, which means they would opt out of extracurricular activities. So um, there's just too many, the numbers are going to bear that out. So I think it's just going to be a matter of, of really just in each decision, each decision, you know, each home, you know, that decision is going to be a, a personal and an individual decision. And, and you know. I think it's you, you. You would hope it's based on science and and, and health of because you know parents should be looking out for their kids and that kind of thing. And I think most will. So um, it's it's yeah. a tough decision. I mean, I mean, I know, I, I know for me personally, you know, with um, you know, my daughters were athletes and they just they they're graduating now, but but I, I I would dread that decision because I'm sure my daughters would be very much on the side of I want to go back to class and I, I miss my friends and. and I want to play, you know, volleyball and basketball and those kind of things. So uh, it, it would be a very difficult decision uh, f- for any parent, I think. So, and one thing that I think is 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 interesting, and 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 I made this. Um, so I'll give you guys a, a quick sneak preview of a piece that's going to go up on Thursday on TexasFootball.com. That's why you're an insider; you get the early stuff. Oh yeah. Um, is I um I sent out a survey to. Texas high school football coaches. I sent one out on Tuesday afternoon. And by the way, if you think coaches ain't got nothing to do, the the, the responses started flowing in. I was thinking, man, if I could get like 40 responses, that would be really great. Uh, presently, it's 2426. I have 351 responses right now. And, and I more or less, because one of the things is that us blowhards, the media, have been yammering on and on about what high school football is going to look like in the fall. And it seems to me that nobody actually asked the coaches. Like, you know, it's just like a lot of speculating from, from people who are not coaches, who are not on the ground. And so I asked coaches a, a number of questions, and these are entirely anonymous because I wanted to get good, you know, I wanted to get data that, that they didn't feel like they had to say the right thing. Um, I, want the, I want their honest opinion. And so I made it anonymous, and I asked a number of questions about what is, you know, about the fall, about what they're thinking about the fall. So the first question I asked was, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that the 2020 Texas high school football season will begin as scheduled? So that week one will happen as it's supposed to. So right now, of that scale of 1 to 10, the most common response uh, is going to be uh, 5. A lot of guys who are right in the middle that are like, oh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But the one thing I will say, and this makes me a little bit nervous, is that if you are looking for where it, it leans, it is there are more responses of guys who are less than five than there are more than five. 
Um, These are coaches who are generally what I'm seeing as far as starting the season on time, it's looking relatively more pessimistic than I expected, honestly. Um, that they're looking at this and saying, I don't know. For example, the second most common response is three. Okay. I mean, they are, it is pretty, there are coaches who are pretty, pretty pessimistic about the season starting on time. It, it kind of reflects the same way in, on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you that the season will be played in its entirety as scheduled? It's about the same breakdown where, uh, the middle 50-50 is about the the most common response, but um, there are more coaches who are saying that they are less than 50% confident than they are more than 50% confident. Um, I did ask them. Here's another thing. I asked them, do you think you will have fans in the stands at your games this fall? I gave them five different options. The one that is the most uh, – that they expect the most is uh, yes, but at about 50% capacity. Uh, and yeah. then next – is a little bit. It, it'll be yes, but with um, less than fifty percent capacity. Yeah. Um, and I, I would imagine a lot of these answers and questions are really going to break down on geography. Yeah. I think coaches that are in hot spots and metro areas are going to probably, just by nature, because the news has been more pessimistic in their areas, probably be more pessimistic. And coaches in the more rural areas were either they've already gotten over kind of their, their peak or they haven't really had a lot of cases are probably more optimistic. So I, I bet, I bet the breakdown geographically is based on that a lot as well. Now, now this was the, the question that I thought was really interesting because the, the real hot topic, and this can kind of transition into our next topic, but the real hot topic recently among us blowhards who just tweet all the time has been this notion of flipping the athletics calendar. Right. Mm -hmm. Playing the spring sports in the fall, playing the fall sports in the spring. So the idea behind that is that you can do more natural social distancing uh, with sports like golf and tennis and baseball. You can do that in the fall track as well. You can play those in the fall and then you can bump uh, more close knit sports like football to the spring. Football, basketball. Yeah. Yes. I was actually surprised. Uh, the in, w- would you be in favor of it? It's yes or no. Um, no, it, no is winning, but it's only it's fifty three forty seven. No, that is surprising to me because because you know just in everything that I've heard from the UIL, um, there it's not even on the table at the moment. Um, yeah, and I, and I think the reason why it's not on the table is because they don't want to. You know that there was a lot. I, I think. And I and I, I I'm I'm gonna I think if the UIL had to do things over again, you know, knowing what we know now, they may not have kiboshed the. I don't. I think they probably would have played the state basketball tournament through, and maybe tried to play the spring sports through, knowing what we know now, knowing that in Texas things did, didn't really get bad until about July. So I wonder mm-hmm. if they're just gun shy about the spring sport because they took they took a lot of heat from people about canceling spring sports. Um, maybe they're just gun shy about the UIL's gun shy about switch making that switch and making the perceived feeding into the perception that you know because remember perception is reality here and I think if the UIL decided to make that switch people would interpret it as oh you're just trying to save the football season and football is what's most important so I, I think there's some, there's some hesitation because of that well and, and UIL you know, perspective well and you and I have talked about this. If you were to flip the spring and the fall sports, that would be a radical, radical decision. Yeah. Like, really radical. And the UIL, generally, they're not in the business of making radical decisions. No. Change, change comes slowly in, 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 in stages with the UIL. They, they don't make – there's not a lot of sweeping changes that are made um, with the UIL. Right. In, when in you're an organization that large and when you're dealing with a state that large, it's probably the, the general, generally speaking, the right thing to do. And, and I think that like – and again, I, I freely recognize that you're listening to a, a football podcast and you've got a guy who's about to tell you this. But like we do have to think about other sports besides football and yeah. because and, the UIL does. And the UIL is thinking about band and they're thinking about this and that. Like they are – like there's a lot to consider here. It's not just a matter of when can we play football. Oh, we can play football in the spring. Let's play football in the spring. Um, it's not quite that simple because 
you've got to think about a lot of other a lot of other aspects to it, and and sacrificing other sports in the name of football, while you and I would be like, hey, let's just play football however it works. Yeah, that's not the real that's not the reality of the situation. No, if they did that, can you imagine the the, the PR disaster? I mean, it would be a PR nightmare if 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 the UIL sacrificed the other sports to save football. I mean, you talk about feeding into the perception that Texans are just a bunch of football crazed idiots. Well, that would be right there. Uh, one, one other thing before we leave this, uh, before we leave the, the COVID topic, um, there was a, there was a tweet going around this week about that, that like, I think it was on Sunday that, that Dr. Brightup came out and said that the plan is to, um, is to play the, uh, the season as scheduled on time. Um, and that got like picked up and like retweeted like 300 times or something like that by some, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to be insulting, but it's like, just some guy. Yeah. Just some guy who, uh, first off the, the UIL hardly ever releases guidance on Sunday. They hardly ever release guidance on Sun at 7am on a Sunday and they hard, and then they never release guidance at 7am on a Sunday, the day after a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Brideff has been saying that, that same thing for uh, three weeks now. Yeah, that's that's the that right now that's the company line from yeah. the UIL, and and frankly it should be like that's the right thing to say right now. Yeah. They don't they don't they are saying here's our plan. Our plan we are working operating under the idea that we're going to start on time. If those things change, then we will change with them. And I promise you, if the UIL makes some announcements about that, you won't have to search it out on social media. We'll be all over it. You won't be one guy tweeting it. It'll be like everyone yeah. in their dog uh-huh. tweeting it. Yep. So anyway, there's that. All right. Enough COVID talk. It's a press. Um, let's move on to other topics. Most notably, Matthew. Uh, hey, a lot of kids transferring, huh? Yeah. The transfer high school transfer portal is a uh, quite active <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. The world is a weird place right now. And things are, things are different if you didn't know. Um, so, it's just, I think it's just a, a product of, of a lot of things. You know, I'm not going to get into kids' personal lives here. You know, we hear things yeah. off the record from coaches and people close to these athletes. And, and you know, it's, it's, it would be uncouth for sure for, for either of us to speculate on a, on a kid and his family situation. But well, we can talk about their football ramifications of some of the transfers because there have been some, some notable ones for, without a doubt. Well, and, and the thing is, and I, I think what you're seeing – right now is I don't know if you are seeing more transfers than you normally do, but what I think you're seeing is more high profile transfers than Mm -hmm. you normally do more noteworthy. And I guess we'll start with the one that we've been hearing for about a month uh, before it apparently got uh, confirmed by his ex uh, teammate. Uh, on Twitter, but um, Chris Parson, the quarterback from Duncanville, who uh, started the state championship game as a freshman for the injured Quinn and Jackson, uh, he is reportedly transferring. Is it is it noted? I don't know if I should say where he's. Yeah, it's, it's public. Yeah, Red, Red Oak is the. And I, I haven't. Con- I think he was supposed to enroll yesterday, but I haven't confirmed he actually enrolled at Red Oak. But I know uh, that's the. It's it's pretty common knowledge that Red Oak Red Oak is the uh, place where Parsons will be enrolling uh, for the well, fall semester. Well, and 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 you know I know that obviously the Duncanville lost that state championship game, but I think that everyone came away watching him saying, you know what, that kid, uh, give him a couple years, and there's something there. I think that I think I think everyone came away from that game. Obviously, you know context is important, um, but for a freshman. Starting in the state championship game, his first ever start, going up against Galena Park North Shore to perform the way that he did was, uh, I, I thought, impressive. And I, and and this is you know for for him to move to Red Oak uh, certainly raises Red Oak's pro- profile a little bit. You know who he reminds me of, Parson? Uh, his game. He reminds me of Demetrius Davis. Ooh, it's a it's a it's a. If you look at his build and, and his style of play, he's a comp to Demetrius Davis at North Shore. Now, the question was to, to me, and this was the question I've had all summer looking at Duncanville and their 2020 season was, I don't know how good of a fit Parson is in Duncanville's system. 
Duncanville is not a team that pushes the ball down the field and throws the deep ball. They're very much a run-oriented team, and a lot of what they had success with the past three years, is, well, two years for sure, has been with Jaquindon Jackson and in the running game. And that's not Parsons' game. So I, I wondered how good of a fit he was in that offense. I think Parson, from a, from a talent and, and, a, and how he plays the game standpoint, is probably a better fit in Red Oaks' offense. But Red Oaks got a really good quarterback right now on the, uh, in Josh Irvin, who I believe threw 38 touchdown passes last year. Yeah. So what do they do with Irvin? Because this is the kind of thing that could really – uh, if, if it's not managed well by the coaching staff, I remember Red Oak, Red Oak has a first-year head coach in Michael Quintero. If this isn't managed well, it's the kind of thing that could rip apart a locker room. Yeah, uh, I think you're. I think you're exactly right, um, and that is um, that. That's something that I'm. 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 I'm really interested to see how that all shakes out. Because look, I mean, let's be honest. If he's transferring to Red Oak, he is now. We don't know the family situation. We don't know why he's transferring to Red Oak. But there's at least going to be an expectation he's going to start. Yeah, yeah I mean, for sure. For sure. And so, and so if, if they've got a guy who I believe was an all-district quarterback last year. He might have been the offensive MVP. He might have been the district offensive MVP last year. Uh, and that's suddenly you have this other guy who doesn't want to sit. I mean, you could have a situation there. There's also the other side, which is, uh, so what's Duncanville going to do at quarterback? Like, Yeah. I mean, if it were me, I'd hey, Roderick Daniels, you, you want to take snaps and just run the ball all the time? Because you're really good, and we just give you the ball every time. I, I think Duncanville's going to be fine. You know, that Reggie Samples likes to run the football. They've got guys that can run the football. I think they're going to be fine. Their defense is going to be one of the best in the state. So I think they're going to be fine. I do think, they're, though, that, that especially later in the playoffs – if they don't have an elite player at the quarterback position, I wonder if that's going to hurt Duncanville because obviously last year not having that guy at quarterback uh, came back. Their offense just didn't have that same punch, uh, obviously losing a guy like Jaquin and Jackson. So now you, you're taking a guy who was probably going to be your backup last year, and now he's going to be the quarterback. So there's probably going to be a, a drop-off. Right. Um, that is that is definitely going to be something to, to keep an, keep an eye on. Um, and, and you know we're gonna get we're going to talk about Red Oak here in just just a minute, uh, but um, there's another one that I think is worth uh, mentioning is and this is coming out of the San Antonio area, um, and that is uh, Converse Judson in in this offseason has now picked up. There's been some movement at Judson. There has been some movement at Judson. Uh, first of all, they lost a couple of kids to San Antonio Cornerstone, right? Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. They lost a couple of kids to San Antonio, San Antonio Cornerstone. They are getting quarterback Jordan Battles. Uh, Jordan Battles is, is transferring from San Antonio Brandeis over to Judson. And now comes word that – they're getting arguably the best running back in the city as LJ Butler is transferring from San Antonio Wagner to Converse Johnson. Um, now that at least is within the same school district. Like Correct. I think it's, it's easy to see cause those are both uh, Judson ISD. Um, but that is certainly noteworthy. And, and uh, I think obviously is going to, going to uh, at least make Judson pretty explosive. Yeah, and Judson's already got DeAnthony Lewis at running back, who was an all-state pick last year, and, and he's got offers from USC and Colorado. I mean, we're talking about a, a, a stud in, 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 their, in his own right. So now Judson, Judson may have the best one-two punch at running back uh, in the state of Texas, and then you add in a guy like Jordan Battles who p- could potentially play quarterback. You know, they're, they're going to ha- they're going to be pretty dynamic offensively. Um, so. Uh, you know, obviously there's there's eligibility thing. You know, we have to see if, if there those if if, if Butler and, and Battles are going to be eligible. The same thing with Parson at Duncanville. You know, moving to Red Oak, we we haven't confirmed they're going to be eligible as of yet. But um, if they are eligible, it really changes some of the dynamics in Class Six A for sure. Yeah, that that is definitely definitely going to be uh, something to keep an eye on. But I am um, th- that was one that I was really really um, you know. I, I found it to be pretty remarkable and it maybe flew a little bit under people's radar because um, yeah, that's, that's, that's really, really you know, interesting. And, and, and suddenly the transfer market has been, has been moving. Like I said, there are always, there's always transfers and 
you like you Texas high school football fan just like don't hear about it because it's just like it's it either happens with a kid who before he blows up or it happens like and it's just not that big of a deal and it's not contested or it's just a kid that you've just not heard of. But what I will say is that you have had a lot more high profile transfers in this um, in this um, you know particular uh, kind of uh, off season. That I don't know. It's it's a really interesting time right now, and you know I, I'm you know we we you even had them at the at the small school level. I know we got kids listed in the small school level um, that you know had had transferred, and it's like oh well, like in the magazine, it's already out of date. You know what I mean? Please buy our magazine. Actually, you already did because you're a subscriber, yeah so. yeah you already you already have your magazine, but yeah we we, we don't like those late transfers because makes makes our magazine out of date really early. It's dumb. Anyway, um, all right. So now after all of that. Let's maneuver over to class 5A because, Matthew, you are continuing to do your region-by-region breakdowns on TexasFootball.com. And they're lovely, by the way. They're lovely. Thank you. Um, and so we want to go region-by-region. Region. We're going to zoom through this a little bit because we got to go through two divisions here. But we'll start with 5A Division One, and we'll start uh, in region – I guess we'll just start at the top. We'll start at Region 1 where uh, – I guess with the way that things broke down, you can look at it a few different ways. Do you want to go with a 6A dropdown? If you go with a 6A dropdown, the, the the chief among them would probably be Tascosa, right? Do you want to go with a team that had really good success last year and could be poised for a breakout, breakout role even though they are moving up a division, which would be a team like Red Oak? Or do you want to go with – or do you want to get a little fancy? You want to get a little fancy because I'll tell you, I don't know if enough people are talking about the fact that Colleyville Heritage is now coached by Kirk Martin. Uh, they're there, fun. There's a lot of intriguing teams in, in Region 1. I mean, you know, another 6A drop down is Mansfield Summit. I think Mansfield yes. Summit's going to be really good next year as well coming out of that DeSoto-Cedar Hill district. Um I'm bullish on Red Oak, and I was bullish on Red Oak before the Parson transfer, but I really, really like Red Oak a lot. I, th- I think they're the team to beat in this region, but I think the region is going to be a lot of fun because it hasn't been fun the last couple of years with Denton Ryan just, just blowing through everyone. Denton Ryan moving over to Region 2 it really has opened up things in Region 1, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I like Red Oak, but I think you can make a strong case for Tascosa. I think you can make the case for Summit. I think you can make a case for Colleyville Heritage. I think you can make a case for Lubbock Coronado. I think you may even make a case for a team like Richland. I think it's going to be a really, really fun region this year. I also think another team I'll throw in there, um, and I, they've got some pieces to replace, um, most especially on the offensive line. But if Abilene Cooper gets their offensive line put together, like they're going to be a, they're going to be a problem. They've got the quarterback and the running back. They've got they've got Aiden Thompson and Noah Garcia. They they got a lot of losses at other positions, but they do have some some key guys back. Yeah. So Division One figures to be really really fun and, and wide open. And Division Two, I'm sorry, Region Two is going to be uh, a wood chipper. Yeah, you know, they, our top two teams are in the same district with 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 Dude, number one Ryan and number two Lone Star. Our top five are all in the same region. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Okay, not to mention, by the way. So, so let me just lay it out to you. You have Denton Ryan, who's our number one team. You have Frisco Lone Star, who's our number two team. You have Longview, a six A drop down, who's our number three team. You have Highland Park, who, by the way. Previous last year, won the last three titles. They're number four. Then you have Lancaster, who, uh, by the way, you want to talk about transfers. Uh, oh, Lancaster. Isaiah yeah, Broadway. Yeah. That, they're, they're loaded for bear. And that is not even to mention, I think, teams that are, that in any other region would be at or near the top in teams like Lufkin, Frisco Independence, and maybe a team like College Station. This region is absurd what they've got going. Yeah, re- Region 2 is a meat grinder. It's it's you know, I think this is this is the year for Denton Ryan. I, I think it all lines up for him. Shadow Creek's gone. Ryan brings back 
they lose some key guys, but they've got a lot back and they've got enough back. And, and I, I think it lines up for Denton Ryan. Um, I really like Frisco independent. I think independence is a real sleeper in region two. Nobody's talking about independence. I think they're going to be really good this year and really have a chance to make some noise. But I, I think despite Highland park and Longview and, and Lone star, I, I think Lancaster, I, I think Denton Ryan is, is the, the team to beat in this region. The, the one thing I'll say about Longview um, is I think there's, and I've said this on a couple of radio interviews too. I, I think there's going to be uh, an idea that oh they lost Haynes King and so now they're just gonna they're gonna take a big step back. Now look, they're gonna be different for sure. They're gonna be different, but at the same time, like in a lot of ways, the past couple of years with Haynes King, Longview has been that's when they've been different than they normally are because like. Like you watch John King football, John King football is not like spread and throw it out. Like that's, no, that's not that's their not personality. What he does. Their, their personality no. is line, like, line up with a, a tight end and the eye formation and run, run, run and play action. Yes, that's what they do. Like the fact that they had a, a, an amazing quarterback was like okay, we'll help to we'll make it a little bit more passer uh, passer friendly than we normally do. But this is a team that's built on being physical, and if they are, if they can find, um, if they can find some some depth, especially on the defensive side, like they're going to be just fine. They're going to be right back in it. That I like. Yes, they they're not going to have Haynes King, and Haynes King is a is a great player who will go down in Longview history, but. I just think that Longview, like, they're going to be a lot closer to the Longview that we're used to this year than, like, than, than the past couple of years. It's just going to be, like, a lot different, I think. Yeah, and Caden Meredith at running back is – he's fun to watch. He, he's, he's amazing. So then we move on to Region 3 where you've got this, this trio of teams, this, this troika, if you will, of teams that are perennial powers there in Region 3. Um and 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 none of them none of them won the region last year. None of them did, um, because you know the team that won the region and then won the state championship. Yeah, won, won the region the last two years. So it's like who's left there? Who's there? And I think that there is an e like you could talk me into any of the three, and more importantly, you could talk me into none of the three. And the three I'm talking about that are the highest ranked in our rankings are Manville, Richmond Foster, and Cedar Park. Um, Cedar Park kind of seems like that team that right now is is like they're ranked eighth, but they're somehow under the radar. Um, Absolutely, and and that's kind of, I think that's what Cedar Park likes likes. Yeah. I think I think they like to sneak under the radar. I think that defense could be really good. I think that I think that you've got a three-year starter at quarterback in Ryder Hernandez, um, and you know I could see them certainly winning it. Manville needs no introduction at this point. They're moving up from Division Two. Richmond Foster is just glad that Shadow Creek's gone. They're going to be really good again. But then you have this like big, like if it's not one of those three. You have this glut of teams that it could be. Like, you have Hightower, right? Mm-hmm. Hightower, co- by the way, the coaches, coaches really like Hightower this year. They do. Um, they do. You've got Friendswood, Dripping Springs, Georgetown, Angleton. Do we hear Maynard, by yeah. the way? <laughs> Ish would be upset if we didn't mention Maynard. Yes. Like, there's a lot of really good depth here. And by the way, if you want to dream on a team, I would not mind. I th- I think Katie Payco has a chance. Like if they can make the playoffs in their own district, which is yeah, I think that district. I got a couple of teams to dream on. Keep yeah. an eye on Laporte dropping down from six A. They've got a lot back, and they've got some really good young classes in the pipeline. Laporte is about to trend way up, and I think San Antonio Veterans Memorial is another team to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, well, and it's it's weird because it's like that's an example of you've got a San Antonio team in Region Three that you're like, wait, what are you doing here? Yeah, um, but you know, if they can, they can make some noise, certainly they've got a, a fair amount coming back from last year's team that was uh, that was really impressive. So yeah, Region Three, like it has those teams at the top that I think the, the like if you just want to pick one of those, I won't necessarily argue with them with you, but like past that, if it's not one of those three. It could be any number of teams. Like, yeah, it could be about eight or nine teams. Right. 
So then let's go to region four. Oh, this, and this, this, this thing is wide open. Like, take your pick. I mean, I think it's going to be... I think the early favorites are the early favorites for a reason. The early favorites would be either Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial or Corpus Christi Flower Bluff. Um, those are the safe picks, I think. They're safe picks, yes. And there's a lot to like about veteran, about vets. I, I, I like them. I, I really do uh, like Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial. You know, they bring back Carter Centerfit. Uh, they, they bring back a lot from this from from last year's team. There's a lot to like about them. There's a lot to like about Flower Bluff. Brings back an yeah. experienced defense. Lots to like about them. And we're Flower, not here to talk Flower about Bluff like, actually. And Flower Bluff actually pushed Wagner in the in the playoffs last year. You know that, that they really. I think it was I think it was Wagner that Flower Flower Bluff gave Wagner a really good game, whereas yeah. Veterans Memorial just got their doors blown off. So yeah. um, even though Veterans Memorial I think got the edge over Flower Bluff last year and has had had the edge locally the last two years, Flower Bluff has shown in the playoffs that they can compete with anyone. But. We're not here to tell you who the safe picks are. We're here to tell you we're here to get weird. Okay? We're here to get weird. Step. Is Westlaco East gonna make a semifinal? I I, I I here's here's my dream scenario here. I think we could have an all valley regional final. Like, oh, you could have a Westlaco East McAllen Memorial regional final. Both both these teams dropping down from six A, having success in the six A level. And, and having playoff experience, I really think um, could be uh, teams that, that factor into the playoff mix really deep. And, and I, I, you know, it's is it likely? I'd say I'd put it at a ten percent chance. But when have we ever said there's a ten percent chance of a all Rio Grande Valley regional final in in six A or five A ever? So I, I think Westlake East is more primed to make that deep run. McAllen Memorial loses Campbell space; they lose a good senior class. But Bill Littleton has always done a good job with McAllen Memorial. And they've always been a good team. But I, I think Westaco East, just with, the, with their style of play, the way they play, and, and their experience having been in the third round of the playoffs in 6A the last couple of years, I think is going to uh, benefit them when they get into those later round playoff games against some of the better teams in the Corpus Christi area. If they if – they, so the, the key when you talk about like for a Valley team or really an El Paso team – to to make it to a semifinal or to make it deep in the playoffs, like a regional final, you got to be talking about two things. You got to be two things. One is you. I think you got to have you got to have either a transcendent playmaker on offense, um, right? So we're talking about a, a, a guy, uh, you know, like um, Mission Vets. Um, to who am I thinking of? Landry Gilpin. Thank, thank you, Landry Gilpin. Guy like Landry Gilpin, who can who like nobody has an answer for. Him. Or, in the case of the reason I like Westaco East, I think their defense is going to be nasty. Westaco East just plays that nasty, physical style of football as is. Yes, and I think that's the thing that could push them to the top. Now, again, the the safe picks are the Corpus Christi squads. By the way, by the way, you could sell me on Victoria West, too. But that's that's neither here nor there. Um, but this is, to me... It's it's going to be corpus. It's either the corpus or it's the valley, and that makes region region four really interesting. So I'm going to pin you down. It's July seventh. Matt Step, who's playing for the state championship? I'm I went with Denton Ryan uh, and Richmond Foster. Okay, but I don't feel great, especially about region three, region four. I think there's so many variables. Re- I, I feel pretty good about Denton Ryan. I, I think they're the team to beat. Uh, region three, region four. I, I think it's we we could. The, the potential for a mystery guest in, in Arlington is, is quite high in Region 3, Region 4. I'm going to go with Denton Ryan. I agree with Denton Ryan. I think they're playing Cedar Park in the title game. Okay. Um, I like Cedar Park. I think that defense comes around, and I think having that experience on, on offense is going to be uh, really good. Now, I think they would have like a second-round matchup with whoever wins the Manville – District 10, the Manville-Foster district. So that's they got to get past that, but that's, that's what I'm thinking. Region three and region two, region two, and region three are going to be absolute meat. You're going to see some big time matchups early, early on in the playoffs. Yeah. All right, let's move over to five A Division two, and in five A Division two, we're going to start in region one, which is, um, 
So I, I, I guess, man, I guess because they, they made a semifinal last year, it's hard to call them like a like a, a quiet team. But like, I think there might have been some people who looked at our rankings and saw Lubbock Cooper number three, and they're like, "Wait, what? Like, what? Lubbock Cooper?" They're, um, they're, I saw them last year in the semifinals. They are they are legit. They 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 feel like they should have beaten Alito and in. I don't disagree with them. They they had their chances to beat. They played Alito. That that Lubbock Cooper Alito semifinal game was a much more competitive game than the, the Alito Fort Ben Marshall state championship game. This I'll say it right now. Lubbock Cooper that, that the Alito game against Lubbock Cooper they, that game was in doubt most of the way. That, that I never felt like, like Fort Ben Marshall. Yeah, I, I never felt like Fort Ben Marshall. Even though the score was close, I never felt like Alito was never in control of that game. Right. So they're they're and legit. So, Cooper's legit. Cooper is legit. And Cooper, um, they bring back uh, a lot of key players, most notably on the defensive side. Kobe McKenzie is the guy. He's an Oklahoma commit. He's going to lead that defense, and that defense is going to be nasty. My question is where is the offense going to come from? They've got Cooper Lefebvre, uh, their their quarterback back. Um, He needs to make that next step and make that offense really hum. Um, but Cooper, Cooper's probably they're a preseason pick in the magazine to make it to the uh, to make um, make it out of Region One, but like they're not alone. No. I think I think our buddy our buddy Bendle, I'm telling you, Ryder's loaded. Ryder, Wichita Falls Ryder, you know, and they, they they're in the same district as Lubbock Cooper. They don't fear Lubbock Cooper. They beat Lubbock Cooper in the regional finals in 2018. They lost to him last year. Uh, they, they play him in districts. Wichita Falls, the key for Ryder is going to be how their defense develops. I think with Lubbock Cooper, you're right. The offense is where the questions are because they lose. I think more of the offense is going to fall on the quarterback's shoulders after losing two really good running backs. I think for Ryder, I think Ryder's going to score points. They've got, they've got dudes on offense. I think the question for Ryder is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. So I think whichever team – can sure up those question marks is, is going to be the team to beat. But I think those are the two teams to beat in Region 1. But don't count out Grapevine dropping down from Division 1. I think I think yeah. Grapevine is going to be a, a, a factor in the, in the regional race as well. Yeah, that, I, I think you're right. Unfortunately for our friends in El Paso, I don't necessarily see there being a team from El Paso. I don't see a team from El Paso getting out of the first round. I mean, just to be honest with you, I mean, having to play Tascosa, Amarillo High, Lubbock Coronado, Lubbock Monterey, in the first, I, I just don't see any of those four teams getting out of the first round. Just yeah. Oh, no, 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 that's, region, that's Division One. Teams there. Yeah. That's Division One. I'm sorry. We're talking Division Two. Um, yeah. Just, uh, you're talking Division Division One. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, so there will be. I was going to say, no, there will be El Paso teams get out of there. Yeah. I'd say you know Burgess, Austin, and Andrus have kind of that that trifecta in the El Paso ISD district. Have, they've been pretty good. Um, I think Burgess has has more of the headliners, um, but. You know, outside of you know the first round of the playoffs, again, I don't, I don't know if any of those teams are, are factors after round yeah. one. I think the, the, the area around would be a tough, tough hill for them. I think region, I think region one is top heavy but thin, like on contenders. Like we were talking yes. about, we were talking about like region three, how like region three of, of the last region, where it's like that's really thick with contenders. You got those top few, but then like. The next, the next group is really, really like. There's a lot of them. In in Region One of Division Two, it's like it's Cooper and Ryder. Yeah, maybe it's Grapevine. You know what I mean? You, you lump Grapevine in there, maybe. But then past that, it's like I just I'm not sure. There's that that oomph factor. It's, it's a bunch of teams that are kind of all evenly matched. Yeah, exactly. So let's get to the fireworks factory. Let's go to Region Two. And do you think do you think it surprised people that we have NS number one? Uh, I think it surprised a few people, but you watched that NS and Alito game last year, and they played in the regional final. That was a great, great ball game. Uh, I still wonder if if, if Sam and I'm not a question. I, I'm going to question Sam Harrell, but Sam Harrell's forgotten more football than I'll ever know. But I still say he should have went for two uh, late yeah. in that game last year. And, and you, you got you got the defending champs on the rope. You you try to throw the knockout punch. You don't play for overtime 
in that situation. But Ennis, Ennis brings a lot back. Alito's got some question marks, especially on the offensive side of the ball, just with some of the skill talent they've lost last year. Um, so I, I think there's a there's a great case to be made for the Ennis Lions. I, I think it's a two-horse race, so I think Alito and Ennis – are a a step above the field in region two, but I I think the field has crept closer to the, to the big dogs. Um, And, and then they have, um, so, so any conversation has to like any conversation about elite, like five, a division two has to start with Alita, right? The, the nine times it has to start. They've dominated, dominated, you know, over the past decade. Um, they do have some holes. Um, they are replacing a, a quarterback, a running back, a star right receiver. Like they're replacing a lot. They're replacing their left tackle. Um, now they've got Jojo Earl, and Jojo Earl is super good. And there was a moment there where it, there was a moment there where it looked like he was going to be their quarterback. But um, Alito has gotten a transfer in from where did he come from? Godley. Godley, yeah. Uh, McBrayer, I think, is his name. The all, yes. he was an honorable mention All State quarterback at Godley last year. Yeah, he was Ethan McBrayer. Yeah. Um, he was a guy who threw for twenty seven hundred yards and thirty three touchdowns. He's transferring into Alito, um, so figured he figures to be the quarterback. Move Earl back out to receiver. Um, I, I will say that, like, yeah, I think I, I think that it's fair to fair to say. Alito could take us to should take a step back, a half step maybe. Ennis looks like they will be as strong, maybe stronger than they were last year. Is that enough to put Ennis over the top? Now they're one two in our rankings. If you want to flop them, I'm okay with it. It's not going to hurt my feelings. Um, but I do think that it's it's interesting that you got those two teams that seem like they're on a collision course for the regional title. And if it's not them, and again, it, it, it's so easy to get caught up in those two teams. If it's not them, the one thing I'll say, there's a lot of other super interesting teams that I kind of wish weren't in this region. Yeah. You know? Like, I kind of wish Mansfield-Timberview were in a different region. Yeah, Mansfield-Timberview is an interesting team. I think North Forney is a real interesting team. They didn't make the playoffs last year. I think North Forney ha- has the potential to to be a real sleeper if they can stay healthy. Injuries kind of derailed them last year. I think they're a really intriguing team. I think Denison and Lovejoy are intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Frisco could, uh, is yeah. intriguing once again. There, there's, there, you know, in Corsicana with Hal Lawson down there, you'll be interested to see what they can do in year two. It is, yeah. It's just a lot of things that, like, we're going to be paying so much attention to NS and Alito that, like, there's going to be these other teams that I'm not sure they're they're on the level of NS and Alito because that's the highest level there is. But, like, in any other region, we'd be talking about them as, like, regional contenders, favorites, yeah. things like that. Um, yeah. South Oak Cliff. I'd also throw uh, – South Oak Cliff every oh, yeah. year. Sock, yeah, for sure. Sock, yeah. They can, if yeah. Sock can get consistency on the offensive side of the ball, it's going to be their key. Absolutely. Okay, region three. Um, region three, like, there's four Penn Marshall, and they've dom- – they've not dominated, but they've won that region uh, consistently in the last two years. Mm-hmm. And – and they're a team. They're a team that's really interesting. And I'm probably. I, I know I've mentioned this to you before, but Marshall's a team that is losing like all of their headliners, like all of the guys whose names you know. Mm-hmm. And then, yet, like a lot of the nuts and bolts of this team yep. are still intact. A lot of the worker bees are, are back, especially in the trenches. And, and I think that's going to keep them amongst the elite teams because Fort Ben Marshall is going to have dudes that can run the ball, that can make plays at the skill positions. They, they, they're a track powerhouse. They've got speed. They're going to be a team that, that, you know, it's just going to be a matter of putting the pieces together. But they've got a lot of, of the worker bees that are back. Well, and you take that and you can, you contrast it with, like, the team we've got ranked right behind them in a consolidated where they, they lose all their headliners and kind of their worker bees. Like they're, yeah. they're, an, they're an almost a full reload here. Yeah. And a and consolidated, you know, they, they were my pick to win the region last year and they pushed, they, they, they gave Fort Ben Marshall yeah. all they wanted in the, uh, I believe it was the third round of the played in the second round early in the playoffs. They matched up and they, 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 I think they lost to Fort Ben Marshall by less than a touchdown. So, uh, it was a heck of a game, and they, they pushed the, the Buffaloes um, heavily, but they, they lost a really, really good group of seniors, and they've, they've got a lot to replace. The, the team that I'm keeping an eye on that I, I, and, and my actual off-the-board off the pick to win the region that, that no one's talking about is Texas High. Mm. I think Texas High dropping down from Division One 
with with the talent they have coming back and being being that battle tested team, knocking heads with teams like Lufkin and and in the playoffs. And, you know, they they went. You know, people forget Texas High went to Lufkin in the first round of the playoffs and beat Lufkin last year. And you just don't go to Lufkin, and that, that's that's a tough thing for a team to do to go into Lufkin and beat the Panthers. And Texas High did it in a playoff game. They've got a, a lot back. Clayton Smith, the OU commit, is the headliner. They, they've got a lot of dudes um, at the skill spots. I think Texas High is 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 a team not being talked about enough, and I think they're going to win the region. So here's two other teams I want to throw out there, both from the same district. Um, hey, remember Tom Westerberg? Um, Barbers yeah, Hill. The, the name rings a bell. Barbers Hill, he has very, very quietly and methodically like turned them into a consistent contender. Yeah, and, very solid program. And they're going to be solid again. And and good enough, good enough that if those top two teams slip, if, if one of the top teams slips, like they're going to be right there. Um, the other one that I think people may have forgotten about, uh, let's 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 have a let's have a conversation about Crosby. Um, a, a second year under Coach Jerry Prieto. Um, they bring they back Reggie Branch. Long last year, they, they 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 improved every week last year. Yes, that is a team that if you buy. Uh, improvement and it's been a strange offseason obviously but if you buy improvement carrying over into the season like season to season like they're they're on the they're on the come up so Crosby I'm, I'm really interested in how District 12 especially when you lump in a team like PNG and Nederland that's going to be fun to watch so and, and don't sleep on Huntsville either Hunt, Huntsville is going to be in, in the discussion as well even though they, they lose some good seniors we're, 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 uh, Coach Rodney Southern has done a heck of a job with, with that program so let's go to Region Four, where I think it's, it's I, I, <laughs> I think what you do here's here's where I'm at on Region Four. I think that you take five teams and you put them in a hat and you take one out. Like li- literally, that's that's how I feel about it. Those five teams are in some order: uh, Brenham, Bernie Champion, Kerrville Tyvee. Sherilyn Pioneer, I'm, I'm our, 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 our Valley, our, our new Valley darling, Eddie Lee yes. Barberger. Yes. And Liberty Hill. Um, and yeah. by the way, we said it all throughout Tep and Step in the playoffs last year that y'all done messed up letting Liberty Hill get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now and they, they move up. Yeah. To slot five T is the devil. devil. The slot T the slot is the devil. devil. And by the way, they have nine starters back on offense. Yeah, and they've got a district that they should control, and I think be able to to ease into Class Five A. And in that region, I think there's there, you know, it would not surprise me at least if Liberty Hills in the third or fourth round of the playoffs. They're just that kind of team, um, that kind of and and I would have put Mission Veterans Memorial in this group had AJ Gonzalez not transferred out to yeah. San Antonio Corner. I think Mission Veterans dropping down from Division One, I, I think would have factored into the the playoff race down to Region Four as well. But without Gonzalez, I just don't know if they have the dynamic playmakers. To get maybe you know out you know more than one round uh, you know more more than maybe the area around the playoffs. Well, and that's the thing is that like all those teams that I mentioned, all of them have things that you really like, and all of them have big questions. Like for example, um, for both Kerrville Tybee and Bernie Champion, I like a lot of what they have coming back, but they got to replace quarterbacks, really highly proficient and prolific quarterbacks, right? Bernie Champion's got to find somebody to fill Luke Boyer's shoes. And Tybee's got to find the Cole Myers, Trapper, Pinnell combo platter at, at, uh, at what's, oh golly, at, at Tybee. Yeah. Um, so that's why. Now, Brenham's interesting. And I think Brenham, Brenham's been trying to figure out, like, they, they, they felt like they've been, like, close, but, like, never really, like, a superstar contender. Yeah, they, kinda, they, got the, they, they ran into Cal Allen last year in the, I believe it was the, it was the third round of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah and they, they, they gave Cal Allen a game. They um they played him tough. They just, you know, but they bring him back a lot. And Cal Allen just had a little more playoff experience. was a little more uh, ready for that moment. But I, I think Brenham in year two under Elliott Allen, and, and I think with, with what they have coming back, I, I think I think it's year two for Coach Allen, year two or year three. But Brenham, Brenham on paper has got a lot back, and Brenham has something in region four that I think is a premium, and that's speed and, and real legit athleticism at the skill spots, which I think can, if they're on, can make them a matchup problem for the teams in region four. 
Well, and the other thing in my mind, and and we talked about it when we were talking about Region Four Division One. If you're a Valley team, you got to have either a, a, an amazing defense or a transcendent player. Well, Pioneers got it. Like, yeah. If you have not watched yeah. If you have not watched him play, he is he's me and Ish got to see him play in the champion. You know, Pioneer pushed champion who won the region. They pushed pushed into overtime last year. And if yeah. if uh, that linebacker for Bernie Champion doesn't make a sensational interception late in the game, Pioneer's probably lining up to kick the game winning field goal. So. Right. Pioneer is going to be in the mix. They are they, they are going to score points on just about anyone. The key for Pioneer is going to be how their defense performs. Yeah. If their defense can take a step forward, then they're, then they're going to be in the hunt. So, anyway, uh, again, it's July 7th. I'm going to put you on the spot. Who is playing for a state championship? I'm going to go chalk uh, with Alito uh, on the top of the bracket, and I'm going to go off the board. I'm, I'm going to say we're going to see an, all, an orange state championship game as Alito takes on Texarkana, Texas High in the state championship. Ooh, that is saucy. So I'm going to disagree with you entirely. I'm going to go with Ennis. I'm going to go chalky with our number one pick. Uh, I'm going to go with Ennis. Um, and you know what? <sighs> region three, region four is tough here. It's tough. I I can't shake I can't shake the Tom Westerberg looking over my shoulder. I, I can't shake it. I think it's Barbers Hill. Okay. I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with Ennis and Barbers Hill in the title game in five A Division Two. Um, that's my pick right now here on, on, on July seventh. Make sure you hold this to hold it hold me to this and just roast me uh, whenever we yeah. draft title game. And it's like and it's Alito and Fort Ben Marshall. Volume three. <laughs> Just pop up in our mentions and tell us how dumb we are. Yes. Okay. Well, there you have it. There's your 5A preview. And that is going to do it for this episode of Tep and Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very much. Please tell your friends uh, about this podcast if uh, and to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Um, oh, I guess, you know, one thing we didn't mention, I guess we probably should. Um, is uh, there will be no Tep and Step recorded at the THSCA Coaching School and Convention. No, unfortunately not. Uh, because there there is no Coaching School and Convention this year. Not not in person. It's virtual. Virtual only. Yes, there is a vir- it's a virtual one, but there's not. We're not going to be in San Antonio. Uh, no. So your Taco not Palenque. Even, yeah, so sad. No Taco Palenque for us. But the one thing I thought about this week, uh, and I thought about this weekend, I was like, man. You know, in San Antonio, because the governor's orders, like the bars are closed, it's like it's like that would have been a really interesting like experiment. It would have been weird seeing what everyone was going to do with, with every all the bars being closed. So we're going to do that. Like I don't know how to do it. Um, mm-hmm. anyway. uh, thanks for being Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider and Steph. Thanks for your courage. Thank you, sir. See you next time on Tep and Steph.